Chapter 16 Galinda pulled up in front of her place. Their place. After half an hour or so of urgent kisses and chased, yet desperate touching within the relative safety of the car, their drive home had been a rather quiet one. She'd barely dared glancing at Alfaba out of the corners of her eyes, afraid of getting distracted enough to lose control over her vehicle. Now that they were once again stationary, she turned around and found beautiful, dark eyes already watching her. The ghost of a smile graced the corners of her mouth. Feeling nearly as deprived as if they hadn't been affectionate in months, Galinda leaned over to capture Elfaba's lips. The sweet taste of dreams came true, or so she hoped. Who would have thought that months of uncertain pining would culminate in this, and all within a matter of days? Was this too good to last? When she reluctantly withdrew, her love's eyes remained closed, and she was biting her lower lip. You're very eager, Elfaba said after a moment, still without looking at her. Galinda's hand remained where it lay on her cheek, her thumb caressing the soft skin. I'm making every last moment last, in case you wake up in the morning and realize that you made a mistake. A mistake? Me? Elfaba's eyelids flipped open. Galinda swallowed. I, I didn't thrust this onto you, did I? She asked, her voice hitching. I didn't just, just make you say yes because of your own confusion. Right? This very thought had been nagging her all the way home, dampening her excitement. The further they were removed from the location of their confessions, the less real it all felt. She wished Elfaba could have given her a resounding, enthusiastic answer without being prodded and nudged into what she'd hoped was the right direction. It would have left less room for doubt. As things were, she couldn't help but wonder whether kissing Elfaba at the cinema had been a serious lapse of judgment. Maybe she should have let her come to terms with the new information before expecting any sort of reply. Of course Elfaba did not immediately respond to her worries. Wanting her to was exactly the same error Galinda had made earlier. This time, she wouldn't say anything until Elfaba had clearly articulated her thoughts, even if it made her stomach twist and churn. It's a lot to take in, Elfaba admitted eventually, flashing her a timid smile. Becoming someone's love interest was not exactly on my radar and falling in love. I guess I must have fallen slowly enough not to notice. That sort of stuff can happen, I guess. Especially amidst the mess I'm still dealing with. If I really think back though, to the weeks past, and examine the details of our interactions. Well, I suppose there were hints. There have always been hints. Being new to the whole friendship thing, however, I might not have categorized them correctly. And at the end of the day, it is as I said earlier, getting kissed by you felt too right for there to be no connection. The rush was too intense and too different from she stopped abruptly, bringing up her hand to rub at her eyes. What I meant to say was that I don't think I'm merely in love with the idea of being loved. Receiving attention from a stranger at a club was nice and all, but this. It, it melted my fucking heart, even though I feel really stupid for putting it like that. I guess love makes sappy fools of us all. Occasionally at least. Galinda laughed quietly and took both of Ilfaba's hands in hers, squeezing them a bit too hard as she tried to assess the answer she'd been given. It was a pretty decent, level-headed answer, she decided. One she could work with. For now. Hey. The blonde's head snapped up. Lost in thought, 
she hadn't realized her gaze drifting from Ofaba's eyes to their joined hands. I can see you're still conflicted. Elfaba moved and turned her hands so that she could grasp Galinda's instead. I know words can only do so much. Still, if you require a physical expression of my affections, to seal the deal, so to speak I'm afraid that's something I'm not able to give you right now. Oh you silly goose, exclaimed Galinda softly. Don't you think that I already know that? Besides, you should realize how little sex means to me. I've never expressed any intense, romantic feelings that way. We are a great fit, you and I. We both know that we have to find other ways to show our love. But how? asked Elfaba, shifting in her seat. Her gaze wandered off for a moment as she worked her jaw. I wish I knew a way to reassure you. Galinda freed her hands to cup both sides of her face. By being sweet, by being close and sharing secrets. By comforting each other and by allowing ourselves to be comforted even if it's embarrassing or intimidating. It's a long-term game, and I'm here for it as long as you are too. Elfaba tilted her head and thoughtfully knitted her eyebrows. We're already doing a lot of these things, she realized. Exactly, grinned Galinda. We merely have to expand and improve on how we do them. Then where's the line between friendship and romance? Does there have to be one? Galinda watched Elfaba's face light up with comprehension. Her eyes came to life in the most stunning way, the tiny specks of mica dancing and glowing. Before she knew it, the taller girl leaned in, placed a hand at the back of her head and kissed her firmly and vigorously. A pleasant tingling spread through her body, followed by a wave of heat. She returned the kiss without thinking too much about it. Up until then, kissing had always been somewhat of a performance. Though she ultimately liked how it felt, it was a skill that required practice and conscious effort in order to make it seem effortless and alluring. That it suddenly came a lot more naturally was a good sign. And the fact that it was Ilfaba who'd initiated it. The very best sign she could have hoped for. How, how about we get out of this bloody, cramped car? Galinda suggested, breathless in the aftermath of the kiss. Elfaba smirked. It was you who wanted to linger and discuss the sincerity of my feelings. The warmth that had previously flooded her entire being now seemed to concentrate in Galinda's cheeks alone. The intensity made her feel as if she were running a fever. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for it to come across like that. I just didn't want to bring this past our doorstep if it wasn't meant to play out as hoped. Shush, my sweet, I'm not blaming you. It was good for both of us to reflect before moving forward, I agree. I guess carrying these emotions home does make it feel all the more official. Yes, breathed Galinda. She placed one last peck on dark green lips. Ready to make it official then. Can't wait. The following morning was everything Galinda had dreamt of and more. She woke up even later than usual, but Ilfaba, who must have woken up hours earlier, was still lying beside her in her bed rubbing gentle circles on Galinda's back while staring at her phone. She wiped the sleep out of her eyes and snuggled closer. You're awake. Elfaba had noticed, despite being absorbed in whatever she'd been reading. Sighing happily, Galinda reached up to trace the outline of her sharp jaw. The green girl dipped her head down slightly so she could deliver a simple kiss onto messy, golden curls. Galinda's eyes began to mist over, and she sniffled 
to which Ilfaba responded with a light hug. What is it, my pretty? Is something wrong? No, nothing, replied the blonde and wiggled upwards so she could behold Ilfaba's face. That unusual yet beautiful face, complete with her hooked nose and jutting chin. She couldn't imagine those features looking as good on any other human being. The same was true for her skin, if anyone could pull off this remarkable hue, it was Ilfaba. She remembered laying eyes on her for the first time and gasping with shock and horror. How stupid and immature she'd been. As time went on, she'd found it increasingly difficult to explain her initial reaction, despite her peers' continued disdain for the green terror who'd never done anything to earn such a horrid moniker. Seeing and even admiring Elfaba quickly became second nature to Galinda. Why people would mock her at all was beyond her, incomprehensible, despite her past attitude. Maybe she was being hypocritical, but it was a good kind of hypocritical, she thought. And now? Now she was lying beside her, relishing in her warmth and affection. She closed her eyes and touched her forehead and nose against Elfaba's. This is crazy, she whispered and chuckled. Her hand found silky raven hair and stroked it gently. You're telling me? Elfaba's chest vibrated against her own as she laughed. You seem quite resigned to your fate though, observed Galinda, tucking the string she'd been playing with behind Elfaba's ear and retracting her arms so that she could fully curl up against her love's taller body. It felt amazing to be embraced so wholly. I'm surprised at how calm I feel. A certain measure of disbelief remains, I admit but it's too insignificant to impact my joy. Apparently, this was exactly what I needed. You have no idea how happy it makes me to hear you say that, said Galinda before drifting off to sleep once more. The shift in their relationship was accompanied by a shift in their daily routine. Elfaba's bed quickly became nothing but storage space, as she henceforth spent each night upstairs in Galinda's room. Malky used it occasionally, when Elfaba actually stayed in her room to study. That almost never happened, except twice when Galinda had seen herself forced to invite her friends over for project meetings, and that one time when she'd insisted on blasting musical theatre songs while hyping herself up for an essay she'd long dreaded to start. Though a habitual early riser, Elfaba never got out of bed before Galinda, unless work or school inevitably compelled her to. Instead, she'd keep her textbooks or readings on the nightstand and buried herself in her work without leaving the bedroom. As a sort of compromise, but also because Ilfaba's stirring didn't always go unnoticed, Galinda took to waking up a tad earlier. It allowed them more time to enjoy each other's close proximity before the busy days began. We still haven't invited Bok, Ilfaba commented distractedly a few weeks after the fateful birthday outing. She continued lacing up her boots while Galinda looked on, her arms folded and pressed tightly against her body. I'm aware, Galinda muttered and exhaled. Elfaba rose, grabbing and shouldering her satchel as she did so. I didn't mean to reproach you, she said softly, visibly confused over Galinda's response. I entirely forgot about it myself until I saw him run across Uni Square yesterday. She smirked crookedly. I think we've both been a little preoccupied with each other recently. Well, I for my part have been thinking about it constantly, confessed Galinda, causing Elfaba's eyebrows to rise in surprise. I hate that I'm scared of this. Of Bok. The blonde remained silent, chewing the inside of her cheek. At length, 
she said, after you told me what happened at the cafe. I just knew that Bok would figure us out the moment he sets foot into this house. I can't explain it, but it makes me anxious. Something strange reflected off Elfaba's eyes, but it was gone before Galinda could make any effort to identify it. She didn't have to in order to realize that it wasn't good. But Elfaba decided not to voice any misgivings she might have had. He won't know for sure unless you explicitly confirm his suspicions, she stated offhandedly. And rest assured, he won't tease you. He doesn't know you well enough to be that obnoxious. Though I might never hear the end of it when we next meet up without you present. Galinda nodded meekly. Okay. Well, invite him whenever you like. It doesn't really matter. Cool. I'll let you know. Elfaba shifted her weight and leaned in to give her a fleeting peck on the cheek. I'll be back late. Stock take tonight. Don't wait up or you'll hate yourself in the morning. Bok was set to visit the following Sunday. It was a workday for Elfaba, and she reasoned to Galinda that this would prevent him from accidentally overstaying his welcome. Galinda wished she didn't worry about that, but she unfortunately did and was therefore grateful for her girlfriend's considerate proposal. Galinda was the first at the door when the bell rang, as Elfaba was busy in the kitchen. Bok. It's so lovely to see you. Thanks for having me, beamed Bok, handing her a small pink and white bouquet, along with a box of chocolates. Despite her earlier concerns, she almost effortlessly slipped back into her hostess role, leading their guest to the living area and making sure he got comfortable on the couch. Hey Bok! Elfaba shouted from the kitchen, tossing vegetables and noodles around in a giant wok. That was all the entertaining she was going to do for the next half hour or so, and it was up to Galinda to make conversation. Maybe she could use this to her advantage. I've been wondering, Bok, she ventured after engaging him with a bare minimum of small talk, how aware are Munchkinlanders of the eminences these days? I know they used to be an integral part of political life, but now that their powers have diminished, I suppose that most people barely even know who they are anymore. Yes, that's quite true, he agreed. Though of course everyone knows about the Throps at the very least. He gave her a knowing look, which told Galinda that he was aware of the purpose of her question, and yes, of course, he knew about Alfaba's connections. Peerless Throp in particular is a legend, owing to his baffling longevity. He's been a staple of the political landscape for generations. The elected government on the other hand is plagued by resignations and snap polls, which means that people look to him for reassurance. He will be a tough act to follow. I can only imagine, said Galinda, lifting her teacup to her lips. Poor Elfie. This sounded a whole lot more complicated than she'd expected. All they could hope for was for the old man to make it for another decade or so. Bok picked up a biscuit, popped it into his mouth and brushed residual crumbs off his hands. Anyway, he began, still chewing, what have you and Elfaba been up to recently? I haven't seen you out much, Galinda was mildly shocked to hear that her absence had been noticed by someone as uninvolved as Little Bok and immediately took a mental note to fix that even though Miller has been dragging me to several social events over the last two months. To be honest, all these other rich kids make me nervous, and I'd much rather hang out with you. You and Miller are dating, she exclaimed, throwing her hands up in astonishment. Bok's head flushed furiously. 
His voice was squeaky and small when he replied. Ah, yes. Has, has Miller not mentioned it? Or Alfie? Alfie knows, asked Galinda, annoyed. Well, of course she didn't say a word. I mean, she wouldn't. It's not something she would pay much attention to anyway. No, you're right, Bok chuckled self-consciously. To be honest, I'm not even entirely sure she listened when I told her. She congratulated me in that bored tone she sometimes uses, so she must have gotten the general message, but the details might not have registered with her. She's so thoughtless that way, sighed Galinda, shaking her head. I will have to give her a stern talking to until she realizes how much these kinds of things mean to other people. Laughing heartily, Bok took another biscuit. I doubt she'll listen to that either, he said, and she giggled, admitting that he certainly had a point. Just when Bok leaned forward to reach for his tea on the coffee table, he suddenly yelped and jumped. Sweet ounce. What was that? He stood, warily scanning the room for the source of his freight. Galinda, who hadn't seen anything unusual beside his extreme reaction, smiled to herself, picked up the cup that had been knocked over, then walked over to the armchair. Her suspicion was promptly confirmed. Oh, you silly thing, she cooed as she bent down to pick up Malky who, equally terrified, hid behind the furniture. Sorry, Bok, he only wanted to say hello. You two adopted a kitten, he asked. His expression quickly changed from disbelief to amusement, and his mouth widened into a silly smirk. Well, we found him and simply couldn't resist his adorable, tiny face. So he stayed with us. We both vie for his affection, but I think he likes Elfie better, even though it's me who does all the dirty jobs, like cleaning the litter and stuff. She cradled Malky in her left arm and wiggled her fingers for him to catch. Ha, huh, said Bok. I wouldn't have pegged Ilfaba for the type to cop out of pet care duties. Galinda stopped her play to look at him, feeling her cheeks blush. She regretted her careless words. Though she didn't think Bok would be able to guess Ilfaba's secret that easily, she needed to be a lot more mindful from now on. Believe it or not, I'm not in the least bothered by those tasks, she said with finality. As if to prove it, she fetched a cloth from the kitchen to soak up the tea that had spilled over the table. She sat back down, placing the kitten on her lap. As per usual, Malky was not particularly inclined to do as he was told. Instead of contenting himself with Galinda's attention, he freed himself from her grip so he could investigate the unknown visitor. It's lovely, said Bok, scratching the top of the cat's head, for you to share something small and cute to dote on. It helps you bond with one other, I imagine. Galinda pressed her lips together and remained silent on the topic. Was he the one fishing for information now, she wondered, or was she becoming paranoid? Elfaba had promised that he wouldn't tease her, but perhaps she didn't know her friend as well as she thought she did. Lunch ready. At least she had great timing, Galinda thought in relief and jumped up to help set the table. You've neglected to tell me that Bok has a girlfriend, Galinda remarked a few bites into their meal. Of course, Elfaba merely shrugged. Didn't realize that was big news. Elfie. Galinda gasped, incredulous to discover the full extent of her disinterest. Bok is your close friend, and this development makes him very happy. Good for him, replied Elfaba, 
almost as if Bok wasn't sitting right next to her. But how do I know that it's something serious? Something that is vital for you to know as well. I tried to behave as I think a friend should behave and listened patiently through all his gushing and rhapsodizing. Granted, I haven't had much practice, but I for one thought I was doing a decent job. She finally looked at her friend as if she expected to receive praise and validation from the boy himself, absolving her of any misconduct. All he did, however, was pick at his food, gaze firmly trained on the plate and his face as red as the pieces of bell pepper peeking out in between the noodles. This isn't high school, Elfie, continued Galinda, frustrated. We are adults now, and the majority of us no longer replace partners as frequently as we change our underwear. You should expect a relationship to be serious if your friend doesn't say otherwise. Everything else is plain rude. Don't think you're such a damn unicorn and the only person on campus who's in a meaningful relationship. Elfaba stopped, her hand halfway lifted to her mouth. Her eyebrows raised, she gave Galinda a pointed look. Wrapped up in her little rant, Galinda took far too long to decipher her gesture. Her eyes darted towards Bok, who was sitting still and awkward, looking back and forth between the two girls. She exhaled dejectedly and let her shoulders slump. Yes, for our sake, Bok, she exclaimed in response to his slowly widening grin. You figured it out. Congratulations. Now be proud of yourself and keep shtoom about it. I mean it, no word to anyone. My lips are sealed, vowed Bok with glee. But if I may be so bold, it was you who gave up the secret. Oh, I know, groused Galinda unhappily. I'm losing my touch. Must be all that time I spend around this uncouth witch over there, she gave a nod in Elfaba's direction, it truly is time I re-entered polite society. How about next Friday Bok, are you game? I'll talk to Miller. It wouldn't have happened if you didn't insist on harping on about this silly topic, Elfaba grumbled more or less to herself. Both Galinda and Bok cast her disapproving looks. What? You're as stubborn as you're green, said the blonde with a distinct note of resignation in her voice. The week passed quickly. Too quickly for some students' tastes, as it was the final round of lectures before the dreaded exams. Galinda didn't mind too much, as she was confident that she'd kept up reasonably well with her studies and wouldn't find it too difficult to summarize and revise her materials on time. Besides, it meant spending a lot more time with Ilfaba. Elfie, she said, stretching her arms and opening her mouth wide as she yawned. Would you mind grabbing me another can of flying wizard from the pantry? More caffeine, questioned the girl sitting jackknifed on the armchair, opposite from Galinda who monopolizes the entire couch. She cackled softly and closed her laptop. I think we should head to bed instead. Maybe partying all night wasn't the best of ideas if you still wanted to accomplish any academic endeavors today. No, it really hadn't been a good idea, but for other reasons than her girlfriend suspected. Re-emerging for her brief hiatus, Galinda should have picked a more significant event and prepared better, too. The way she'd gone about it, she'd blended in far too much for her appearance to have the desired effect. She might as well have stayed home. Besides, it had all been terribly depressing. When she'd finally found a quiet moment to talk to Miller in order to milk her for details concerning her budding romance with Bok, the girl had acted embarrassed rather than excited. As much as she hated to admit it, Ulfaba had been right to some degree, 
while Bok was over the moon, Miller was unsure about her feelings on their relationship. Her motivations to accept Bok's overture had mostly been a combination of pity and resignation. After all, she hadn't received any other offers in a long while, and Bok was at least a nice boy, though terribly desperate for her attention. He's a little sweet and a little charming, she'd admitted. But he's also little. The knowledge of the pair's mismatched attitudes weighed Galinda down. She wished they were a better fit, or at least she wished she didn't know or care. She considered herself too happy with Ilfaba to be confronted by other couples' misfortunes. I was back by ten o'clock, which is ridiculously early, Galinda reminded Ilfaba once she'd gotten over her moment of contemplation. Everyone else who saw me leave must be thinking I've turned into a proper nerd. But that's exactly what you are, my sweet, a nerd in disguise. She wrinkled her nose. No, I'm not. I'm a hard worker, that's all. There's a difference. If you say so. At any rate, I'm packing up and heading upstairs. Are you gonna join me? There was no resisting such a proposal and within the fraction of a second, Galinda's computer was set aside as well. Elfaba, already dressed in an oversized t-shirt and black boxer shorts, let herself fall onto the bed. She grabbed Galinda's hand and pulled her down with her. What are you doing? The shorter girl laughed as she thumped down next to her. I still have to shower. Nuzzling her hair, Elfaba hummed appreciatively. You know, it's sorta interesting, this heady blend of perfume, smoke, alcohol and sweat. You, that sounds gross. Still giggling, Galinda lightly swatted at her and inched away from her face. Don't say I smell gross. Look, you know I don't go to clubs. Hell, I barely leave the house. This is enrichment, allowing my deprived senses to sample the freedom I never allow them. You're a freaking weirdo, Elfaba Throp, and your senses will have to suck it, because I'm going for a shower. Bye. She scrambled off the bed, picking up a cushion as she did so. She tossed it at Elfaba and stuck out her tongue before swiftly spinning on her heel and darting for the bathroom. Without turning around for another glance, all she knew of her girlfriend's reaction was her shrill cackle. By the time she returned, Elfaba had settled and was reading a book as per usual. Galinda leaned down to place a sweet kiss on her cheek before circling around to her side of the bed. Keep reading, she said. I'm not really that tired yet. I'll just snuggle a bit if that's okay with you. More than okay, smiled Ilfaba and invitingly extended her left arm for her to rest her head on. Small touches and pecks passed between the girls, but within minutes, Ilfaba's book had reclaimed most of her attention, which was fine. Galinda had always guessed that she wouldn't be the most cuddly and tactile kind of lover. In fact, Elfaba had already surpassed her in terms of how quickly she might adjust and how often she would initiate physical contact. She'd feared that there would be a glaring gap between their individual wants and needs, yet the divide was surprisingly narrow. Besides, there was an advantage to this arrangement. With Elfaba's mind otherwise occupied, Galinda had the opportunity to let her eyes and hands roam more freely. Her mental map of Ilfaba's moles was ever-expanding. She studied them like they were constellations of stars on a green sky. One particular cluster of spots near her shoulder reminded her of the crescent moon. Tentatively, she reached out with her forefinger to trace it. 
Elfaba's skin twitched at the contact, but she herself did not react until Galinda replaced her finger with her lips. Do you need me to stop reading? she asked. Her wording made Galinda bite her lip. She didn't want Elfaba to perform acts of affection for her sake, she wanted her to engage with her out of her own volition. She shook her head and placed it on her chest. There was no real reason to complain. Keep reading. I'm happy where I am, even if you ignore me. While the comment was not meant to be taken seriously, the joke flew right over Elfaba's head. She stopped to look at her and, a clock tick later, closed her book. I don't mean to neglect you, she said, rolling onto her side and wrapping her other arm around Galinda's small frame. Galinda felt bad for evoking her guilty conscience. Now firmly pressed against Ilfaba's body, however, she couldn't pretend that this wasn't exactly what she'd longed for. This feels amazing, she mumbled, her words coming out soft and muffled against the fabric of the t-shirt. But for your own good you probably need to stop taking everything I say so freaking literally. Otherwise, I'm afraid you might grow tired of me very soon. Elfaba gave her a squeeze before shuffling away from her so she could regard her properly. Her right hand caressed Galinda's cheek, then trailed around her ear before slowly gliding down her neck. I'm just so fucking worried about screwing this up, she confessed. I try to do what comes naturally, but how can I be sure that that's enough for you? It has to be enough, said Galinda, offering her a soft smile. Because otherwise it will make you unhappy in the long run and that would ruin everything all the same. In short, we're doomed, Elfaba replied grimly. Galinda inched close enough so she could kiss her. No, we're not. Trust yourself. Trust me. We'll be just fine. She watched Elfaba's eyes as they searched her own. So beautiful, so rich, so expressive. She could hear her swallow thickly before she leaned in to capture her lips. If this is what comes natural, the blonde whispered in between kisses, you're totally on the right track. Their makeout was cut short by Malky hopping onto the bed and landing on the pillow, right above their heads. Bloody cat, growled Ilfaba, but in the most loving way possible. Galinda's laughter rang as clear as a bell. Despite the interruption, her mood had improved. She could appreciate the humor and heartwarming authenticity of the situation and felt like she wouldn't have it any other way. She picked up Malky and squarely planted him between herself and Ilfaba, patting and scratching him vigorously. Bok thinks of him as our baby, she mused. Or something small to bond over, as he put it. Ha! Ilfaba barked a laugh. Little does he know. The hand tickling the kitten's chin abruptly stopped. Disappointed, Malky meowed and turned towards Ilfaba for attention. The green girl ruffled his fur distractedly while scrutinizing Galinda's face with furrowed brows. What's wrong? Your expression changed out of nowhere. Their gazes met for a moment before Galinda averted hers, looking back down at Malky and reclaiming him so she could shower him with more cuddles. It's nothing, she insisted at first, but at Ilfaba's prodding, she finally caved. It's just, difficult. Baby is well on the way, but they are yours, not mine. You've made this abundantly clear, time and again. H.M., said Ilfaba, then fell silent for a long while. Galinda was glad she had a way of distracting herself, 
or she would surely have burst from the pure tension building up inside of her. When it finally came, Olfaba's reply was measured and direct. You're right. I hope you're able to see where I'm coming from though. Galinda bobbed her head listlessly. That being said, she licked her lips, perhaps I should re-evaluate my stance. In light of our evolving relationship and, well, everything. Shocked, Galinda looked up at her. Her heart in her throat, she wasn't at all capable of voicing her amazement. Elphaba's face flushed ever so slightly as she became self-conscious. That, that isn't a promise for substantial change, she stressed. I'll consider the situation we are in now, weigh the options again, but still against my general beliefs. I don't want to disappoint you, so I beg you not to pin your hopes too high. The blonde nodded, a faint smile tugging at the corners of her mouth. For someone who allegedly doesn't feel very parental, you are fiercely protective of this child. Using logic is the one thing I can do for them, said Ilfaba. Ounce knows not even that is a foolproof plan. Nothing is foolproof, Elfie. Ever. Don't hold yourself up to unachievable standards. Yeah. Elfaba shrugged and reached out to Pat Malky. Their hands accidentally overlapped and stroked his back in unison. Elfaba chuckled quietly while Galinda broke into a giggle. After the laughter died down, Elfaba sucked in a sharp breath and said, Do you think there is a future? For us as a pair? Galinda retracted her hand and tucked it under her pillow. You're in doubt? Always, replied the taller girl solemnly. Look, if it was just you and me, I'd take the plunge and laugh into the face of caution. You know, I could stare into your ridiculously blue eyes all day, contemplating how much I adore you. No, you couldn't, Galinda countered, with equal amounts of fondness and sadness in her voice. Her rebuttal had stumped Ilfaba somewhat. Clearing her throat, she struggled to find her original train of thought. At, at any rate, what I meant to say was that. The problem is that. Well, with the added responsibility of a soon-to-be parent, I'm, I'm forced to ask myself uncomfortable questions like that. It's not about you, or me not wanting to believe in this relationship. I get it, Elfie, sighed Galinda. On a rational level I totally do. It's just tough, you know? I wish we could share everything together, the joys, the hardships. Whether it's parenthood or anything else, really. You sound intensely committed. Galinda was glad that Ilfaba neither looked nor sounded flippant, or even disbelieving. She was dead serious about this and hoped to be taken seriously in return. I have been, she confirmed for good measure. For a long time already. I know you used to think differently, but when I offered help, it was never out of pity or to massage my ego. It has always been about you, although I know that it was unreasonable at first. No matter what I personally wanted, there was no cause for me to believe that would end up the way we did. It was a lot to take in for Ilfaba. She could see it in her eyes. It was as if she could see the gears shifting and churning in her head. Maybe she shouldn't have overwhelmed her. Did she really have to make herself seem so desperate? Finally, Ilfaba scooped up Malky and gently placed him behind her on the bed so she could scoot nearer and close the gap between them. She tucked a stray curl behind Galinda's ear and pressed her lips first against her forehead and then her nose. Isn't that kind of your thing though, 
she said before kissing her on the mouth. You always get what you want. Galinda kissed her back. Is that a promise? Chapter 17 Good morning, Elfaba, said midwife Vitolia as she strode into the room, puffing from exertion. Apologies for the wait, but we're terribly busy. The flu incapacitated nearly half of our more useful staff members. Unfortunately, it didn't also stop women from falling pregnant and babies from being born. She looked up from her bag and chortled merrily at her questionable joke. Only at second glance did she realize that they weren't alone. Oh, what's this? You brought a friend? Yes, emotional support might be a good idea, she said, then pursed her lips. Even more so in your situation, I suppose. Elphaba let it roll off her back, and Galinda, looking more confused than offended, rose to her feet in order to shake the woman's hand. Nice to meet you. I'm Galinda, Elphaba's partner. A bathing partner, beamed the midwife and enthusiastically took the hand on offer. Even better. Ah, no, not exactly. Blushing faintly, the blonde sat back down, crossed her legs and fiddled with the purse on her lap. The other kind of partner, actually. Though I do hope to be there for Elfie when the time comes. Vitalia's expression sobered somewhat as she took in the information and studied the girl before her. I see, she said at last, rubbed her nose and sniffed before plopping down onto her swivel chair. She picked up her clipboard. So. Elfaba. Her voice had turned lackluster, making her sound more like a humanoid robot than a woman of flesh and blood. How are you feeling? Any concerns or complaints? None, Elfaba replied, automatically matching her tone. Eating and sleeping well? She remembered the previous night and how Galinda had kicked and poked her while in the throes of some dream, but that was certainly not what the question was about. No problems there. Splendid. How about a baby? Are we feeling any kicks yet, or maybe a bit of a flutter? She paused to consider. Was she really that far along already? Truth be told, she'd noticed an odd sensation every now and then, but it had been indistinct, and she'd dismissed it as gas or indigestion. I don't think so, she answered slowly, still wondering which really was the correct answer. The midwife took notes. Well, that's entirely normal at this stage. Especially for first-time mothers. By the time we meet next, you're almost certain to have noticed movement in there. At any rate, how about you go for the urine test, dearie, so we can proceed with the measurements? Elphaba couldn't have cared less about the midwife's opinion in regards to her child's parentage, her same-sex relationship, or anything else for that matter, but the careless use of pet names vexed her, especially if applied disingenuously. And still she knew better than to protest. All she had to do was get through this appointment as quickly as possible. It was a necessary evil. So she did as she was told. Upon her return, she found Vitolia and Galinda staring at each other silently. Wondering what had transpired in her absence, she was almost tempted to say something. Almost. Oh, you're back observed the midwife. Hop onto the scale for me then, will you? What does it say? 61.9. Goodness, love, Vitolia shook her head almost one kilogram down from last time. 
Look at you, you're all muscle. What is the baby supposed to feed off, H.M.? Feeling herself flush, Elphaba couldn't tell whether it was out of anger or embarrassment. Perhaps a blend of both. Her eyes darted towards Galinda who was scowling at the woman. When she felt Elphaba's gaze on her, she met it and smiled encouragingly. Well, let's have a look at your bump then, said the midwife. If you have one that is, she remarked somewhat snidely. Elphaba lay down on the examination table and pulled up her jumper barely far enough. Vitalia made it a point to push it further. Now look at that. A little compact maybe, but noticeable. Her expression brightened, and she curled her mouth upwards, seemingly despite herself. Very nice. Now, I'll measure your fundal height. That's the distance between your pubic bone and the top of your uterus. It's not an entirely exact science, but it helps us keep track of baby's growth. The feeling of the cold tape on her skin and Vitolia's hands at the top and bottom of her slowly burgeoning belly was vaguely uncomfortable, but not as uncomfortable as the midwife's subsequent palpation of her abdomen. Not that it was in any way painful, it was rather a matter of invasion of space and privacy, and her growing disdain for the woman wasn't helping with that. Even so, she knew she was being silly. Setting her jaw, she trained her eyes on the ceiling until she remembered that she hadn't come alone this time. She took a breath and let her head roll to the side until Galinda came into view. She was watching, of course, and even though they were too far apart to hold hands, her smile connected with Ilfaba, reassuring her. So far so good, declared Vitolia at last and turned around to fetch a small device from one of the drawers next to the bed. Let's listen to the baby's heart then. She placed the wand which was connected to a monitor via a curly cord, against Ilfaba's bump. The green girl relaxed a notch. Being poked with a plastic probe clearly beats foreign hands groping and pushing. Elfaba and Galinda looked at each other and waited with bated breaths as they heard several different kinds of noises. After repositioning the one two or three times, the midwife was finally satisfied that she'd located the proper spot. The resulting sound resembled the thundering of galloping horses. Elfaba smiled faintly at first, but as an expression of wonder lit up Galinda's face, the corners of her own lips tugged further up, and her heart began to beat just a little faster. That's all good and well, Vitolia announced and briskly stowed away the device before scribbling down a few remarks on her notepad. That about concludes today's visit, I'd say. Unless you have any further questions. Galinda shifted in her seat and looked eager, yet too indecisive to actually say something. Elfaba gave her a questioning look, but the blonde didn't notice. She herself didn't have anything else to add. Two things, said Vitolia. First of all, it's time for your anatomy scan. The ultrasound technician will have a quick look at the baby and make sure everything is there and in the right proportions. I also need you to come in for a few urine and blood tests, gestational diabetes and such. It's a bit too early but an appointment close to our next visit in four weeks should do. The older woman handed her several forms, and with that they were dismissed. Insufferable woman, commented Galinda once they'd left the building and shook at the thought of the midwife. Elfaba snorted at her rather too passionate display. As long as she's doing her job I won't complain, she shrugged. Well, she could do her job a whole lot better, insisted Galinda. Elfie. 
This could be such a wonderful experience. We don't need an old, judgmental kroner to rain on our parade. You're so cute like that, my sweet, Grindel Faber. I'm really sorry you're so terribly bothered by this. I myself don't care quite as much. Well, I do. Galinda gingerly took her hand and lifted herself up to her tiptoes so she could plant a quick peck on her lips. You're amazing, you know that. To think that you can grow a whole new life inside your tummy. Most women can do so, retorted Ilfaba, licking her lips while her cheeks warmed up from the undue praise. It's not much of a skill. The glint in Galinda's eyes told her that she wasn't going to be swayed. Her admiration remained undamped. Back home, Elfaba unlocked the door. Letting her satchel glide off her shoulder, she headed for her room for a change of clothes, but Galinda called out to her and made her turn around. Yeah, what? She was cut off by a pair of lips that claimed her mouth. Chuckling, she allowed Galinda to push her backwards and towards the living area, shoes and all. With a few resounding meows, Malki came trotting their way, but was blatantly ignored. Elfaba divested herself of her bag, and Galinda brushed off her jacket, as well as her own. Wow, where's this coming from, she managed in between kisses. Shush, I'm hard at work here, Galinda told her sternly in reply. The taller girl swallowed as she felt a hint of anxiety setting in, taking hold of her lungs and restricting her intake of air. Galinda's attitude was different from her usual, sweet self. This introduced a new, unknown variable, and Elfaba preferred to know what to expect. Galinda pushed her another few paces, until she knocked against the armrest of the couch. The impact made her knees buckle. Their contact broke, and she gasped in surprise. Threatening to fall backwards at first, she instead managed to regain her balance and came to sit on the armrest. Taking advantage of the new position and her gain of height, or rather Elfaba's loss thereof, Galinda quickly closed the gap that had arisen between them. She buried her hands in long, dark tresses, raking her nails along her scalp. This felt vaguely familiar. Elfaba's concerns eased somewhat, apparently they weren't going further than usual after all. If increased urgency was the only aspect to change, she could deal with that. They'd been doing this for weeks by now, and she couldn't blame her love for trying to spice things up a notch. One of Galinda's hands brushed downwards, taking a long strand of hair with it, twirling it around her index finger. As the hand wandered further south, the silky hair unwound and fell softly against Ilfaba's chest. Galinda meanwhile began to tug at the hem of the black jumper. Elfaba's eyes opened wide, and she stopped all movement to regard her girlfriend properly, pulse still pumping wildly. She was hoping to explore new territory after all, wasn't she? Ounce, Elfaba didn't know how she felt about that. No, she did know, but was frustrated with herself for not wanting it. No, Galinda. I, I'm sorry, but I can't. Galinda drew away far enough to focus her eyes. She moved both of her hands to cradle Ilfaba's face. Elfie, listen, she said in her sweetest voice, sounding at once patient and desperate. I have no plans to ravish you neither here, nor now. But I wish I could see you. See me, replied Ilfaba, puzzled. Surely you can see me just fine. I'm sitting right in front of you. Oh, you silly green bean. 
Her blithe laughter rang out before she leaned in for a chaste pack. I want to see your body, admire it. I don't mean to do anything to you other than touch and kiss. There, there's nothing much to see there, replied Ilfaba and cleared her throat. Don't you trust me enough to let me be the judge of that? She pressed her lips to Ilfaba's forehead before dropping her hands and taking a step back. Crossing her arms, she grabbed the folds of her dress and pulled it over her head. Elfaba looked on with an odd sense of awe as carefully coiffed golden curls were ruffled and stretched by the maneuver, then came pouring back down over Galinda's shoulder, messy but gorgeous as ever. After discarding the rose-colored garment onto the floor, Galinda stood still, her right hand holding onto the left upper arm. Her head was turned sideways, but her eyes unwaveringly held Elfaba's gaze. Her intended message was clear, look at me, here I am. It's just me, and I trust you. Will you trust me, too? Yet despite her demonstrative resolve, there was a strange bashfulness about Galinda that Elfaba hadn't expected. She bit her lip, hard. At first, she stubbornly maintained eye contact. It felt weird to study other parts of Galinda's body while she watched her doing so. Then again, wasn't this an invitation to do just that? Elfaba risked a few fleeting glances without moving her head. She'd seen her girlfriend like this before, had seen more of her even, since she was still wearing her bra now. Elfaba couldn't erase those flashes of memories from their Frotica trip if she wanted to. But proximity and expressed consent made a remarkable difference, she found. Before long, she allowed herself to take in small, intimate and fascinating details, barely even blushing as she did so. Galinda was slender, but softer than Elfaba had ever been, even in girlhood when she'd arguably been a bit less sinewy. She had more of a waist and hip, compared to Elfaba's narrow, yet rather straight and angular lines. That much had always been apparent, however, free from obscuring clothes, the resulting silhouette looked so much more impressive. She discovered a faint scar on the right-hand side of her abdomen. Appendicitis. She'd ask her some other time. Absorbed in her expedition of discovery, she stopped thinking as she let her eyes roam. And roam they did, extensively, over each square inch of bare skin. She began to really appreciate the opportunity she'd been given. Eventually, they moved back up, following the elegant center line that ran through her navel and further, until it terminated between her breasts. They were the perfect size, she thought, neither so big as to cause strains and aches, nor as small and unremarkable as her own. Instinctively, and almost as if in a trance, she reached out to feel them as much as she could feel them through the lacy fabric of the light blue, semi-transparent bra. The sound of Galinda's quiet chuckle, subtle as it was, alerted her to what she was doing, and she retracted her hands, her face suddenly flushing furiously as self-awareness set back in. No, don't, said Galinda and caught her wrists to guide her back where she wanted her. Don't be shy. They are all yours. Elfaba felt a little light-headed. This was all too deliberate and too fast. A shuddering breath escaped her lips while she moved her hands sideways and let them glide along Galinda's curves. They came to rest on her hips, and she plucked up the courage to speak. I know you meant to encourage me this way, but I'm not as beautiful as you are, she said once she'd had a chance to center and calm herself. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't shy away from comparison. Galinda blew a breath through her slightly parted lips and shook her head. This isn't about conventional attractiveness. 
it's about nearness and trust. But if you need to know. She covered green hands with her own pale ones. Too often men can't keep their hands off these, she said about her hips, her voice dripping with distaste. Together, both sets of hands moved up to her waist. It's fucking hard to maintain this shape, and if I don't, my friends start staring and sneering behind my back. At least if I didn't have the natural ability to achieve this curvature, I wouldn't have to bother and blame myself. They arrived back at her breasts. I'm not proud of them. There are too many, I'm too aware of their existence. And again, they draw unwanted attention, especially given my particular situation and preferences. It's not like I wish for a more boyish body, I don't. But a more modest size would do perfectly fine for me. After a few moments of taking it all in, Olfaba tore her eyes away from where her hands were still stuck cupping Galinda's ample bosom. The blonde's own hands had disappeared at some point without her noticing. She let her feather-like touch glide towards Galinda's back, then interlaced her fingers, pulling her closer. Even with her heart in her mouth, she somehow managed to kiss her. When their lips parted, she whispered, you realize that you basically just told me how insecure you are in your own beauty. This is me being vulnerable, but somehow you still sound accusatory, replied Galinda mildly, not quite upset yet. Why is that, H.M.? I'm sorry, my sweet. I didn't mean to. But the ugly complaints about an access to beauty tend to ring a little hollow. A bit like a rich person's lament over not knowing how to spend their money would sound to the poor. I realize it's more complicated than that, but it's something I need to process first. Gosh, scoffed Galinda and averted her face. Elfaba watched her labored breathing and wondered whether she'd gone too far in voicing her unfiltered thoughts. She hadn't meant to offend her. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to belittle your struggles. PFT. Poppycock. Galinda finally looked back at her. You're not ugly though, Elfie. Not by a long shot. Maybe your looks are somewhat of an acquired taste as far as attractiveness is concerned, but if that is so, I'm a connoisseur and I say you're breathtaking. Not to mention that very unique appeal you have. By ounce, you're not ugly, not one bit. Instead of bolstered, Olfaba felt taunted by Galinda's words as if she was trying too hard to convince her, speaking all kinds of untruths in a last-ditch attempt to get her way. None of it was convincing. Glynn, she dropped her gaze and licked her lips nervously, I'm sorry, I don't think I. Galinda sighed and smoothly freed herself from Ilfaba's arms so she could sit down next to her on the armrest of the couch. A sound of defeat escaped her as she let her tired head fall against the taller girl's hard shoulder. It was close to midnight, nearly the end of her shift, when she first felt it. It was like someone was poking her. From the inside. She was in the middle of stocking a shelf with various pet food products, but stopped, leaning against the cool metal construction with one hand, the other flying to the sight of the strange sensation. She waited, trying to discern whether her distracted mind had played a trick on her, or whether the prodding would return. It did. It was more noticeable internally, but she thought her hand detected just the slightest of ripples. Slipping it underneath her long-sleeved t-shirt, she pressed it against the bare skin of her abdomen to make sure. For a while, there was no further sign of life within, but then, one final kick or punch, or whatever it was. She smiled despite herself. 
This was pretty or inspiring, she had to admit. Hey, elf. Something wrong with you? She gave a start and turned her head, spotting Mrs. Manglehand, or Oatsy, as most of the long-standing staff dared to call the supervisor. No, nothing, muttered Ilfaba in reply and pulled her hand out from under the shirt. She put it back on the same spot, but atop the fabric, and rubbed it. Might have pulled a muscle or something. Because you young things never listen when we explain to you how to correctly lift heavy items that is, the older woman chided lightly. Well, if you're quite recovered, finish that box and return the rest back store. The morning staff will have to finish this. We're ready to turn the lights out for the night. Elfaba resumed her task. As her hands did most of the work, her mind tried to focus on her midsection. Baby stayed quiet, maybe having exerted themselves enough for the time being. Regardless of her superior's instructions, she took her knife to one more box containing bags of cat kibble. Carefully heaving each sack onto the lowest shelf, she wondered how much longer she'd be able to do this job, how long it would be safe. She supposed she could find lighter work to do if she told her boss about her condition. But once the child was born, who'd look after them? She might have to ask Galinda to foot all bills, including hers, so she could take extended parental leave, perhaps even quit this sad place. She knew her love would be delighted to do anything and everything in her power. Allowing herself to actually let her was the trick. Galinda's car was parked no more than five meters away from the back door of the shop. Elfaba grinned to herself and pulled the door open with gusto, then plopped down on the passenger seat. You're energetic today, remarked Galinda, looking her up and down. She appeared tired in comparison. For a clock tick, Elfaba considered telling her about her little experience earlier. Somehow it didn't seem right though. She knew Galinda would be excited, but also at least marginally jealous. At home they had hot tea and a few biscuits. Elfaba reheated a portion of the takeout food Galinda had ordered for dinner. You look terrible, my pretty she commented as she watched her killing time with her phone. The blonde cast her a sharp but playful side glance. It's against the rules to simultaneously insult and flatter me. Forgive me, laughed Ilfaba. It came from a place of concern. What I meant to say was that you should go ahead and sleep. You look like you need it. Neither of us has gone to bed without the other since we got together as a couple. I'm not going to break this ancient, six-weeks-old tradition. Her stubborn determination made Ilfaba grin, and she did her best to finish her meal a little faster. When they at length snuggled up next to each other under the warm, cosy blanket, Elfaba stroked Galinda's hair, occasionally twirling a curl around her fingers. She wasn't tired enough to sleep yet. Working late tended to do this to her, the physical labor, the adrenaline kick of being sent first one way, then another, the rush of finishing set tasks on time. She'd read some more once Galinda had fallen asleep. It was obvious that she was already fast on her way to dreamland and wouldn't take very long. Her musings were interrupted by a tentative trembling in her belly. She was unsure of its nature at first and shifted slightly to get more comfortable. Not long after, however, a decisive little poke. Her breath hitched, and her senses sharpened as she concentrated, honed in on the sensation. Again. A smile slowly forming on her lips, she peered at the relaxed form of her girlfriend next to her. 
Under normal circumstances, it would have seemed like a crime to wake her, but she was certain that Galinda would want to witness this. I'm sorry, my sweet, she whispered, reaching out to shake her gently, yet with some urgency. There was no telling how much time they had before the baby went back to sleep as well. Galinda. Quick, or you might miss it. Her eyes fluttered open. What in Lurleen's name, she mumbled sleepily. Are you out of your mind? You told me to. Shush, laughed Ilfaba and grabbed her hand to press it against her abdomen. She'd lifted her shirt, making sure Galinda had a decent shot at witnessing what she herself felt. Still confused, Galinda blinked, but she stopped protesting. Elfaba could feel her thumb moving, caressing the spot where she had placed her hand. It was the first time she'd allowed Galinda to touch any place that would generally be concealed by clothes. She clearly appreciated the gesture, even without understanding the underlying cause just yet. Elfaba sucked on her lower lip in agitation. She'd been excited to share the baby's movement with her, but in absence of it she felt self-conscious. But then. At last, another jolt, followed by an even stronger one. It was almost uncomfortable, but at least Ilfaba could be certain that Galinda would have felt it. Indeed she had. Blue eyes wide and bright, she met Ilfaba's gaze. Is that? Ilfaba nodded and Galinda squealed quietly. This is amazing. Elfie. She moved surprisingly quickly as she made to kiss Ilfaba soundly on the lips. There was no trace of tiredness left to discern. They waited for a good few more minutes to see if there would be any more, but the wee thing had settled down for the night it seemed. Galinda's enthusiasm was not affected by the brief duration of the spectacle. You'll let me know when it happens again, won't you, she said softly, capturing Elfaba's lips one more time. Of course. The heart in Elfaba's chest was still pounding. Sharing this moment with Galinda had felt surprisingly profound. She hadn't imagined herself so moved by another person's excitement. She felt Galinda's hand wandering, describing small circles on her belly. Was she trying to soothe the child or her? At any rate, she was mostly okay with it now. The boundaries in her head must have given way and shifted under the intensity of that almost magical shared moment. The circles gradually became bigger. After a while of careful negotiation, Galinda became so bold as to push up Ilfaba's shirt and cast aside the duvet. She didn't make any attempts to undress her, but eagerly took in the sight of her exposed midsection. She wiggled down to press a kiss just above Ilfaba's navel. It's so cute, this tiny bump, she said and added a second hand so she could encompass more surface area with every single stroke. Elfaba sucked in a sharp breath before releasing it and reminding herself to calm down. Galinda proceeded to leave evanescent butterfly kisses all over the newly exposed skin. Only after showering Elfaba with endless adoration and love, did she dare to venture the question that might have been burning on her lips since she first laid eyes on her abdomen. What's this dark line? Her finger traced along the pine green marking that ran vertically all the way down her belly, disappearing below the waistband of her shorts. It's a pregnancy thing, explained Ilfaba, caused by hormones. Linea nigra is the word. Oh. So it's not part of your usual color scheme. She shook her head. 
It might still darken more or grow wider. I'm not sure. She thought of other parts of her skin that had been affected similarly, but decided against educating Galinda further, lest she demand to see those, too, causing an unnecessary disagreement. For now, Galinda looked happy enough with the little progress they had made. They kicked off the exam period together, with Dr. Dilliman's Biology 101 exam. It was a perfect coincidence, and Galinda seemed delighted to no end. Elfaba was more amused than exhilarated, yet enjoyed seeing her girlfriend so happy. It also took the edge off the blonde's worries over her performance, which was an additional benefit. It was Monday, 8.30 in the morning when they left the house. Galinda wondered whether theirs was the first exam to take place across the entire university. Along with a dozen others, I suppose, shrugged Elfaba. Galinda clung to her arm as they walked, resting her head against the taller girl's shoulder. I'm so glad that this is my first exam. Having you there will be a comfort. Whenever I don't know an answer, I'll stare at the back of your head until our brainwaves align and I remember. Elfaba considered her skeptically. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm sure you'll do fine anyway. Maybe brainwaves are a bit of pseudoscience, admitted Galinda. But regardless, we studied and practiced so much together. By now, I probably subconsciously associate your face with all things biology. I'm sure looking at you will help jumpstart my memory. Whatever makes you sleep at night. They took a detour and bought rich, warm chocolate drinks topped with cream on the way, a little treat to help them relax. As they approached campus, Galinda stopped and bade Ilfaba to do the same. The green girl peered at her quizzically. A kiss for good luck. Galinda ventured. Elfaba smirked mischievously. We come well prepared, and we'll do great either way. No luck required. Oh, why do you have to tease me, you mean green thing, huffed Galinda. I know you want to kiss me, so shut up and play along. Grinning, Elfaba leaned in. Despite having been the one to suggest it all to begin with, Galinda hesitated her eyes briefly darting either way before she finally closed the gap and pressed her mouth firmly against Elfaba's. A sense of joy bloomed in Elfaba's chest. Perhaps luck wasn't required for her to ace this exam, but a good mood might nevertheless inspire her to deliver better answers faster, making it a downright breeze. Delinda withdrew and offered her a sweet smile, then whirled around and marched on without extending an inviting hand or even looking over her shoulder. Elfaba's face darkened as she realized that this was deliberate. The spring in Galinda's step was nothing but a concealed hurry while she tried to increase the distance between them as swiftly as possible. The kiss. An apology at best, a diversion at worst. Possibly both. Elfaba ground her teeth and sullenly followed a few paces behind, exactly as Galinda apparently had intended. She alternated between blaming Galinda and herself. What exactly had she expected? Galinda had never been brave enough to admit their friendship, at least not in familiar circles. Why would she want to broadcast their love affair? On the other hand, it was Galinda who constantly begged her to let her be part of her future, her child's future. If she couldn't even acknowledge her feelings in front of her peers, how did she ever hope to be a mother to this baby? If she couldn't explain their friendship or their romantic feelings to her friends, then how did she plan on explaining the child's existence and their affiliation? The initial anger in Elfaba's heart soon receded, 
leaving only a trail of resignation. She wouldn't hold any of this against Galinda. How could she? But next time Galinda would ask her about her potential role as co-parent, she'd know precisely how to respond. Chapter 18 By the end of exam period Galinda was shattered. Throughout the semester she'd managed to keep up with her five classes just fine. Writing five lengthy assessments was a different matter entirely. She found herself vaguely jealous of Ilfaba who'd completed her two meagre biology and history exams with ease and almost a week apart, whereas she herself had fretted and slaved away, writing three of her exams on three consecutive days. Pure torture. Infuriatingly, Ilfaba showed little support, at least not verbally. Instead of consoling and reassuring her, she preferred to tease and needle her, chide her even for her constant whining. Still, in direct contradiction to her nettling words, she made sure to supply Galinda with refreshments while she studied, to prepare special breakfast treats on the days of her tests, and to smuggle her favorite sweets into her pencil case. One could argue that such thoughtful gestures bore far more significance, and of course Galinda did appreciate them. On the other hand, she didn't understand what made it so difficult for Ilfaba to simply express her encouragement on all fronts. It wasn't like she was required to uphold any notions of tartness her short-sighted peers might have projected upon her, in the privacy of their own home no less. When Galinda opened her pencil case one final time in preparation of her architectural design exam, she discovered a long artisan chocolate bar, swaddled in pastel-coloured paper and decorated with confetti of rose gold and silver. Smiling to herself, she gingerly unwrapped it, already anticipating the taste and feel of the rich treat in her mouth. What she hadn't anticipated was the little message on the inside of the paper. For down, one to go. You'll do amazing, and I believe in you. There was no name, but the spidery handwriting was easy enough to identify. In the lower right corner, a small heart. Galinda's cheeks flushed with heat. Coming from Ilfaba, these lines were unusually sweet and adorable. In front of the classroom, Miss Grayling raised her voice. The exam papers were about to be handed out. Galinda perked up with a start, took a bite from the chocolate bar and hurriedly folded the wrapper back around the rest of it so she could let it all disappear into her bag. She didn't fancy being accused of cheating. While a quick inspection of the words on the paper would easily absolve her of any wrongdoing, she absolutely didn't need this kind of distraction. Two hours ticked by sluggishly. Even though she made steady progress, the haze of tiredness in her head, her bones slowed down her perception of time. In the end, not a single one of the students finished early, mostly due to the practical component of the assessment. Yet from what Galinda gathered, not many felt like they'd struggled with the allotted time either. Much like herself, they had spent the last couple of minutes embellishing and perfecting their designs. Fiero too looked confident enough when he waylaid her right outside the arch building. Hey, we were wondering whether you'd come out for a few drinks with us, he said, grinning widely. We? Us? Galinda repeated with raised eyebrows, savouring the last of her fancy chocolate as it melted on her tongue. For all she could see, he was alone. Miller and I. And Bok. She's already gone to fetch him. Ah. She wasn't certain how she felt about the idea. Sure, she was in somewhat of a celebratory mood now that all the fuss was over and a few weeks of actual holidays awaited. 
but she was tired, so tired. She'd rather hoped to celebrate with Ilfaba, quietly and in the comfort of their own house. And it wasn't like she could simply drag her along in the same way Miller would in train book. Things were more complicated with Ilfaba, which was partially her own fault. Having waited so long for an answer, Fierro eventually lost his splendid grin. He cocked his head and reached out to touch her elbow. Hey, are you alright, he said, his face overcast with concern. Galinda met his gaze and grinned sheepishly. Oh, don't worry about me, I'm just a tad exhausted, she replied, making an effort to look more cheerful. Her eyes wide and the corners of her mouth tugging upwards, she put on a brave front. In her weariness, she hadn't realized that her facade had slipped. All the stress caught up with me, is all. I'll need a few days to decompress. Don't we all? A couple of cocktails might help with that, he pointed out helpfully. That much was true, she had to admit. Who else is coming, she asked, half one over already. Only the three of us, four of us, if you can make it. She chewed her lip. As recently as the beginning of this very semester she would have thanked him charmingly but declined. Miller, Bock and Fierro were hardly worth the effort and time, as far as prestige was concerned. Sure, she could invite them or hang out with them as part of a bigger group of more influential peers. But if this wasn't about seeing and being seen, why go at all, especially in her current mood? She could be with Ilfaba instead. But Bock was a nice little dude and Fierro had become more than just a random classmate. And Miller. Well, Miller was Miller. More affable than Fanny and Shinshin combined, but not very useful. She'd usually strive to integrate the redhead into her own circles and expect her to feel special and grateful for it. This felt sort of, backwards. Yet her attitude had changed slightly, hadn't it? With Ilfaba as the new focal point in her life, what did she have to lose if she were to redirect her socializing efforts? If she'd sooner or later be forced to give up her popularity entirely for Elfaba's sake, she might as well start by making less shrewd decisions and hanging with the less significant cohorts. It would probably help her ease into her new role, bit by bit, perhaps even provide her with a group of friends who might still accept her once she'd fallen from grace. What a horrifying thought. Well, here she was, contemplating it in earnest. Fine, I'll come along. She offered Fierro a weak smile. He for his part seemed thrilled. Cool. I just have to drop some stuff home and grab my car. Do you want to come with me? Otherwise I could pick you up from your place. I'll come, she replied decidedly, preferring to not see Ilfaba for all but a couple of minutes, only to almost immediately leave and desert her for the rest of the night. Sending a text would be a lot less heart-wrenching. So, you're not drinking, she inquired to make sure, eyeing him suspiciously. She'd watched him knock back plenty of drinks in the past. Not a drop, I swear. He made some foreign gesture she supposed was meant to support his promise. I get tempted if I try to have just a glass or two, so I won't touch any at all tonight. I can drive you home after if you like. She hesitated but that decision could wait until she knew for sure that he'd stuck to his word. The alleged Vincan Prince's apartment was situated quite literally right around the corner, a stone throw off campus and in between two administrative buildings that dated from before when the then scattered university facilities had come to form one cohesive hub.
It wasn't big, but the location and other specs made up for that. Galinda first studied the vintage exterior, then gawked at the strictly modern innards. Wow, this is quite something, she murmured, more to herself than to anyone else. Pretty awesome, isn't it? Do you think they converted it to apartments with arch students in mind? I can't believe I never knew this place was residential. I reckoned it would be another office or storage building. I should have applied for an apartment here, too. At second thought, her choice of lodging had proven more than lucky. There was little room in this apartment for a cot or other baby paraphernalia, let alone a regular flatmate. Under no circumstances would Ilfaba have agreed to share this tight accommodation with someone she barely knew. And where do you live? Fiero wanted to know. One of the dorms? She gave him a bewildered look and snorted. Hey, I was at least partially joking, he hurried to add. I'm not located this close to campus, unfortunately. Bigger apartment. Terrace house, she countered, giving a casual shrug and a sassy smirk. He raised his eyebrows and made a whistling sound. Luxurious. You must be quite the catch. For a split second she froze, and her lips twitched. They were just fooling around, weren't they? He couldn't possibly mean anything by that. Forget it, oh proud hunter of the thousand-year grasslands, she said as nonchalantly as she could, but not without a residual sense of wariness in her gut. I'm nobody's prey. Let him take that as he will, she thought. And I'm not on the prowl, he answered gravely. Merely making an observation. She relaxed at that, nodding approvingly. This was good to know. She needed more friends like that. They met Bok and Miller in front of the peach and kidneys. Galinda couldn't say that she'd been to the place before, though she'd heard of it a cheap enough place for students to get fed and properly drunk without breaking the bank. While her usual gang preferred clubs and bars over taverns and pubs, she was open to something new tonight. Galinda! Bok greeted her excitedly before wrapping his short arms around her in a brief yet firm embrace. Miller peered at her funnily like she hadn't expected the society girl and the munchkin to be close enough to justify so much enthusiasm. They said hi to each other and exchanged cheap kisses. Lovely you could come, but why didn't Elfie, wondered Bok. Galinda gave him a long, poignant stare before rigidly replying that her flatmate wasn't one for crowded places or unfamiliar company. Crossing her fingers, she hoped he'd leave it at that, and at first he did. She exhaled slightly as they entered the building. While her argument wasn't entirely untrue, she also knew that there was at least a chance that Ilfaba might have agreed to this particular outing, if only she had asked. Given the low-key venue and small, not entirely foreign group of friends, this was not too long a shot. Of course, it was her own fault that Ilfaba wasn't here and, at least clandestinely, she felt appropriately ashamed. She did come along to the philosophy club with me once, Bok muttered as he sat down at the opposite side of the table, a stubborn look on his face. His remark had been quiet enough to seem private, but loud enough to be overheard, either by accident or design. Galinda's eyes widened, and her jaw nearly dropped. This was insane. She didn't know whether she could trust her ears. Had he really just said what she thought he had? He couldn't have. Not harmless, slightly boring Bok. And she appeared to have a good time, too, 
he added, louder this time and sounding grumpier with every word. He crossed his arms in front of his chest. What was she thinking, I'd like to know, ignoring me for that tall, handsome fella? Sure. Maybe if I hadn't been so drunk, I would remember his face, even though I only saw him from a distance. Maybe if I hadn't been so drunk, I would have caught on to what exactly transpired between those two, and why she acted so strange for weeks after that. Galinda's mouth formed a thin, tight line. Her primary instinct was to grab his arm and pull him into a secluded corner to give him a piece of her mind, or maybe worse. But she thought better of it. In her fresh and unbridled anger, she might have revealed secrets that weren't hers to reveal. She wished she could at least interrogate him, gather more facts than Elphaba had been willing to offer, but she didn't trust herself to be careful enough. Not yet. So she balled her fists under the table, averted her eyes and dropped the matter. She pretended she hadn't heard or didn't understand and never broached the subject. Bok, either still in that same bad mood that his account had inspired in him, or maybe miffed that Galinda hadn't brought his friend to keep him company, didn't talk much to her anyway. Instead, she spent some time gossiping idly with Miller, but mostly, she stuck with Fiero. Away from Averick and the other guys and gals of Gillikini's stock, the Vincan boy seemed more at ease to discuss his home country, which she knew scarcely anything about. His stories passed the time well enough, and Galinda felt honoured by his trust. About an hour into their evening, a self-declared cumbric which started to perform a few hocus-pocus trickeries in the middle of the room. Galinda had her doubts that she was the genuine article, but what did it matter? Most of the men who'd gathered to watch more up close probably found the young woman's scant, exotic costume more enthralling than her magic anyway. Galinda stopped paying real attention halfway through the show, finding herself fascinated by the woman's inexplicable and perhaps far-fetched resemblance to Alfaba. It was her dark, flowing hair, she reckoned, as well as her mystique. But Alfaba's hair was fuller and darker, and the girl herself, though familiar to her, was far more mysterious than a stranger could ever be. Or at least so she thought at that moment. Towards the end of her performance, the witch nodded in the direction of her helper, and the man began to play a foreign instrument Galinda didn't recognize. The woman began to sing. That reminded Galinda of the time when Ilfaba had admitted that she used to sing for her father's congregation, in praise of the unnamed god. The woman was skilled, and her song captivating. Yet in her prejudice, Galinda was convinced that she wouldn't stand a chance against the magnificence of Ilfaba's voice. Or maybe that was just the tequila working its own special magic in her mind. When she finally arrived back home, Galinda tottered through the house until she fell right into Ilfaba's arms. Her girlfriend had been reading, perching jackknifed on her armchair, even though the couch had been vacant in Galinda's absence. Her cheek firmly pressed against Ilfaba's chest, both girls crowded on the inadequately sized piece of furniture, she hummed endless affirmations of how much she'd missed her. You're once again more than sufficiently drunk, my sweet, chuckled Ilfaba, gently stroking her hair. I hope it's a happy drunk. Who did you get drunk with? The usual gang. Elfie, I missed you so much, she hiccuped once again clumsily and ultimately unsuccessfully trying to nestle closer. My, my. Did Shinshin pester you? Or did Averick proposition you? You're in quite a state tonight. No Shin and no Averick, Galinda mumbled. 
I was with Miller and Bok. Ah. Fierro asked us to come out with him. Oh. A long pause followed. Most likely, Ulfaba had given up on conversing with the senseless creature she'd become under the influence. But she cradled her lovingly, and that was all she needed. If she were a cat-like deer, little Malky, by now not so little anymore, she would have pured. Can you sing to me, she asked instead, a hazy memory of the Combrick witch from the peach and kidneys resurfacing in her mind. Elphaba sounded incredulous as she laughed, but when Galinda craned her neck to look up at her with pouty lips, she stopped chuckling and exhaled. After a few attempts at silent backtalk, she relented and began a song Galinda hadn't heard before. Maybe it was a religious tune or an old folk song she'd never heard. Or maybe she was making it up as she went, but the blonde couldn't possibly tell. Elphaba had an okay voice, she thought. As suspected, she was either more skilled or at least more talented than the supposed witch. Galinda was satisfied and proud of her initial prediction and even prouder that she'd somehow managed to succeed in making her sing in the first place. It was close to a miracle. With that out of the way, she sighed and settled in, concentrating more keenly on the words and music that softly floated by her ear. No, she wasn't giving her love enough credit, Elphaba had a mesmerizing voice. It was controlled and feeling, though without a trace of histrionics. Nothing but natural, raw beauty, sans the trappings of pretentious, artsy sing-song. Before long, the soothing sounds lulled Galinda to a gentle sleep. Holidays. Glorious holidays at last. Galinda scarcely found the willpower to open her eyes, let alone get out of bed and get ready for the day. Perfectly content where she was in Elphaba's arms, she had no need for tea or breakfast. But the green girl was done with loitering between the sheets and anxious to get to her feet. When Galinda resisted her playful prompts and gentle prodding, she pressed a quick kiss to her temple, pulled her arm away from underneath her, and got up anyway. Hey, not fair, protested the blonde, cracking one eye open. Plenty fair, retorted Ilfaba with a wicked but gorgeous smirk. I've been lying here, waiting for you to wake up for at least three hours. Now the baby and I are famished. Oh, yeah. Poor baby. There was that. She supposed traditionally, it would have been her task to provide her pregnant mate with everything she might require, the least she could do was to not be a dead weight holding her back from taking care of herself and the little one. Besides, when did Ilfaba start to talk about baby and I? She broke into a silly grin. The obstinate thing might be turning properly maternal yet. Breakfast was nothing exciting. A few slices of whole grain toast with cream cheese and chives were all they had left, but Ilfaba squeezed some oranges for delicious, fresh juice. It was sufficient, and after all, they had plans later that day. Fabulous plans. Galinda had at last been able to convince Ilfaba that she simply had to make good on her promise to take her out in celebration of her birthday a little late, but better late than never. Ilfaba had been adamant that dinner was too formal, so lunch it was. But Galinda had been allowed to choose the restaurant, and boy was she excited about that. Her choice was meant as much as a treat as it would be a tease, and she couldn't wait. She'd have to supervise her girlfriend's choice of clothing later but knew better than to open that particular can of worms before she absolutely had to. For now she enjoyed the pleasure of anticipation and her love's unsuspecting tranquility. 
She finished her bread and brushed the crumbs off her hands. Elfaba stacked her empty plate on top of hers and was just about to head to the kitchen in order to place them all into the dishwasher when her phone beeped. Distracted, she picked it up, but a clock tick later, she changed her mind and sat back down. It's from Nessa, she said, furrowing her brow. Galinda scowled into her glass of juice. Out with the old semester, in with the new, along with the new students of course. Chief among them, Nessa rose throp. While she'd never met the girl, Galinda already was prejudiced against her. She'd heard about how their father favoured his younger daughter, and she couldn't help but resent her for that. To her, it felt as though her existence was the reason why he didn't love Ulfaba as much as he ought to, indeed, this might not be the reason at all. Still, in addition to that, Nessa's birth had prematurely turned Ulfaba into a caretaker, saddling her with responsibilities and duties beyond her tender age. And that was no speculation, it was fact. Elfaba herself had admitted as much, if in much more forgiving words. So what would happen once Nessa arrived in Shiz? Would Galinda lose Ilfaba over her obligations to her sister? Well, not lose her completely, but lose valuable time they'd otherwise spend together. One could call it jealousy, she mused, but that was too petty a word for her liking. Rather, she preferred to think of herself as concerned for Ilfaba and her well-being. She was pregnant, for Lurleen's sake. She had herself and her own child to worry about now. This was bad timing for a needy sister to make a reappearance in her life. So what about her? Galinda heard herself say after a while. Meanwhile, Elfaba had received and sent several messages. She's going to arrive a week early, replied Elfaba, rubbing her forehead. They forecast a bad storm in Quadling country, and father reckons it would be safer for her to travel before it hits choir. Why can't she travel after the storm has settled? Galinda demanded tersely, making her girlfriend laugh. At least one of us is amused, she grumbled. But wait, what does that mean for us? We had plans. We can still go for lunch, my sweet, Elfaba offered consolingly. As long as it doesn't take longer than an hour or so out of our day. Galinda's face fell. You're kidding, right? So, their extravagant luncheon was postponed. Disappointed as she was, Galinda scarcely had the energy to mope over it. They spent the next two days setting up Nessa's apartment near Osma Slopes. The location's proximity to Avarik's anything but humble abode made Galinda a bit jittery, but they were generally busy enough for her to forget about those sorts of worries. At times, she even forgot about their cancelled lunch date. They cleaned the place and assembled a few simple items of furniture, stocked the fridge, and made sure the appliances were all in working order. Whether Galinda liked it or not, everything was soon ready to welcome the new she's resident. She bought a small bouquet for the coffee table, not exactly for Nessa's benefit, but because it simply felt appropriate. After all, that was how she'd been raised. Elfaba agreed that it was a nice touch and kissed her in thanks. That was reward enough for now. Although the preparations were going well, and Galinda had mostly gotten over her half, on the day of her sister's arrival even Elfaba seemed nervous. Do you think she'll be able to tell, she asked, indicating her midsection with a brisk wave of her hand. Cocking her head, Galinda gave the question some thought. She certainly hadn't noticed anything until she'd seen her love's belly unveiled. But then again, 
that could very well be because she'd been spending so much time with her. Like a parent, ignorant of their child's growth, she too might have merely overlooked the gradual changes happening right before her very eyes. On the other hand, since Ilfaba was always swathed in some loose-fitting, dark-coloured t-shirt, would anyone be able to tell if she'd gained one or even five inches in circumference? You look entirely inconspicuous, she finally decided, but do you think she might notice if you guys hug or something? We don't hug, Ilfaba replied flatly. Not like that. Galinda found that odd, but shrugged and said, I guess you're good to go then. Her expression turning more thoughtful, she added, but you know, she's bound to find out eventually. Wouldn't it be better if you were honest with her from the start? She's your sister. Elfaba set her jaw and shook her head. I need time, and she needs to settle in. This is a new city, a new chapter in her life. I'm not going to spoil it all by drawing unnecessary attention to my own, sinful tendencies. While the phrasing shocked her at first, Galinda quickly realized that Elfaba had spoken as if seeing the world through her pious sister's lens. She wasn't truly blaming herself. Not that harshly anyway. So I assume you'd prefer to conceal our terribly sinful relationship as well for the time being? Now that she'd tried it, the word used with a healthy dash of sarcasm evoked a tantalizing thrill in her. She felt just a tad rebellious. As someone who'd never cared a twig about the unnamed god, Galinda wasn't cowed or humbled by its supposedly shameful nature as long as she considered it from that particular angle. Though she was keenly aware of how it was also used by Lerlinists and atheists alike in reference to socially unacceptable tendencies. The mythical unnamed god might not be the only one who disapproved of their ways. Elphaba slipped into her long coat, then paused and realized that the weather was too sunny and warm for that. Reluctantly, she removed the additional item of clothing, the safety layer, as it were, and hung it back up. I didn't think you'd even wanted me to tell her, she said slowly. She's going to be a she's student after all. She might make friends and talk. It's risky. Yeah, true. Galinda nodded and stared blankly into space. But would she really want to broadcast her own sister's sinfulness? Maybe in order to distance herself, who knew? Further down the line perhaps, she ventured. Just like the baby, I don't think we could keep it from her forever. Unlike with the baby, we actually have a choice in the matter, pointed out Ilfaba, and Galinda blushed at how annoyed she was with Ilfaba for trying to keep their love a secret from her sister. It made her wonder how vexed Ilfaba must be all those other times when the boot was on the other foot. They rented a bigger car to pick Nessa and her caretaker up from the station. They parked in the underground car park and waited at the platform for the train to arrive. Galinda didn't quite know what to expect. Elfaba had never shown her a picture of her sister, or of any other members of her family for that matter, nor had she asked to see one, an oversight she now regretted. She knew that Nessa wasn't green, but missing a pair of good arms instead. Beyond that, should she expect a family resemblance? She found out soon enough, when the train from the Emerald City arrived with no more than five minutes delay. A respectable achievement in light of the tardiness most travellers had come to expect from the railway services, which were reliably unreliable across all of ounce. As Ilfaba had warned her, the deformities of her sister were well concealed. 
She must even have descended the steps of the carriage with relative grace, or Galinda might have picked her out amongst the crowd due to her gait or something. The way things were, she'd stared at the open doors, not noticing the young woman amidst the other passengers until Alfaba darted her way, and Galinda still didn't know towards whom exactly she was running. Whom she did recognize immediately was an old, wrinkly gamma, struggling with a heap of luggage. Nanny. Elfaba had not exaggerated when she'd described her ancient looks to her. She was a stewed plum of a woman, her skin burnt, saggy and papery, owing to the unforgiving quadling sun, no doubt. Forgetting all about Nessaros for an instant, Galinda hurried to Nanny's side to help her. The woman grunted at her disagreeably, until she remembered to explain that she had come with Elfaba. Nanny seemed incredulous at that and promptly began a thorough inspection of the girl in front of her, from head to toe. Satisfied at last, she bobbed her head once and pushed a small suitcase into Galinda's hands. The pairs assembled by the escalator leading down to the main hall. Nanny, said Ilfaba warmly, greeting the woman with a fond expression. Nanny looked her up and down, very much in the same manner she'd eyeballed Galinda, then smiled tightly. Ilfaba bit her lip and dropped her gaze to the floor. It was an odd reunion. From the sparse tales she'd heard, Galinda had expected a lot more joy and emotion. She turned her attention towards Nessa. With that beautiful fringed shawl around her shoulders, the younger girl really did pass for an able-bodied person, and she was rather pretty, looking nothing like her sister. Galinda gave a nod, but Nessa acted oblivious. Oh, Nessa, this is Galinda, my flatmate, Ulfaba jumped in to explain once she'd managed to pry her eyes away from the ground. There was no need to introduce Nessaros. They delivered them to the apartment and showed them around. They stayed for tea, which Ilfaba prepared. It was an awkward affair, however. Galinda could appreciate Nessa's gentle manners, so different from Ilfaba's. Yet her overzealous religiosity and righteousness began to grate on her nerves before they'd barely spent one hour in each other's company. While her voice was as smooth and oiled as Ilfaba's was serrated, it felt like sandpaper in her ears each time she uttered the name of the unnamed god. Unbearable. Minding her manners, she nevertheless invited them all out for dinner later that evening, at a small, cosy restaurant nearby. She'd feared that Nessa would commandeer Elfaba for the interim, but to her surprise, she let her go, assuring them that she'd be fine with only Nanny by her side. Phew, I'm glad that's over, Galinda sighed in the car, back on their way to the rental place. And yet you asked them to dine with us, chuckled Ilfaba, one eyebrow quivering. Ah oh well, good breeding is a menace, isn't it? The offer basically just slipped out, you know. It was the right thing to do. Ilfaba cackled. I'm not complaining. I love her, despite everything. I'm glad if she feels welcome here. I'm glad you are helping to achieve that. Yeah, yeah. I'll try my best to keep it together. But please do try and steer the conversation away from anything religious, yes. Or I might have to drown my sorrows with wine. You don't want to provoke that kind of embarrassment in front of Miss Godley, I reckon. It was meant as a joke, but Ilfaba didn't laugh, not even snicker. In fact, she turned to look out of the window and paid hardly any attention. Are you all right, Elfie? asked Galinda, concerned. Nanny knows, she responded without turning to glance at her. 
Galinda nearly ran a red light. What, what? How? She has a sixth sense, that woman. And her eyes are not as useless as they appear to be. I guess my face has changed, or, or something. Shit, murmured the blonde, doing her best to concentrate on the road ahead. Will she, well, will she talk, you think? Doubt it. She could tell I didn't want anyone to know. She's not that uncharitable. Though she might pull me aside at some point to upbraid me, I don't believe she'd tell Nessa or our father. That's something, I guess. If she really was that perceptive, Galinda wondered, how long would it take that old bat to figure out her and Elfaba's true relationship? She didn't voice that thought, lest she upset Elfaba further. But she certainly regretted her invitation now. Perhaps it would be wiser for her to stay away from Nessa, as well as Nanny, just as a precaution. At the restaurant and while they waited for their dinner to arrive, Galinda cast a hard, appraising eye over the elegant dress of Nessa Rose. Whereas Ilfaba tended to wear the simplest of clothes, preferring dark, inconspicuous colours, the younger Throp's ensemble was of green silks, the colours of moss, emerald and yellow-green roses. Green Elfaba, sitting to her left and lending her support between the shoulders as she tilted her head back to sip her wine, looked like a fashion accessory. Galinda, feeling slightly abandoned all by herself at the other side of the table, wanted nothing more than to have her girlfriend all to herself again. Perhaps she'd never been able to appreciate what she'd had until someone threatened to take it all away. Oh, she was so close to pulling Ilfaba over when they finally left the restaurant, to claim her as her own by pressing pink lips to dark green ones. The shock in Nesseros' eyes would have been delicious. But no, she behaved herself. Once they were alone again, the urge subsided even. She took Ilfaba's hand, but that was all. In the sister's absence, her nerves calmed and tiredness prevailed over jealousy. She simply didn't have the energy for such passion when the danger had already passed. At home, Elfaba made her a cup of herbal tea, then sat down on the couch next to her, which was rather uncharacteristic behaviour. Malky, who'd jumped up to beg for scratches and cuddles, was promptly shunted off onto the backrest so that the green girl could shuffle closer and lean against Galinda's shoulder. Oh? What a nice surprise. Elfaba nestled in and said nothing for a while. Steadily sipping her tea, Galinda made good use of the opportunity she'd been given, stroking long, impossibly straight tresses and burying her fingers in the shimmering sea of midnight black. It was reassuring to have Elfaba come to her first, willingly and seeking affection. The warm and fuzzy feeling in her chest swelled at the thought, and she put her cup away so she could lean down and kiss her. Thank you, Ilfaba murmured in between kisses as they increased in frequency. There's plenty more where that came from, Galinda replied, giggling a little. Giving a soft snort, Ilfaba brushed her nose along the sensitive skin of her neck. The vibrating of Ilfaba's chest against her almost made the shorter girl dizzy with joy. While I appreciate your affection and giving nature, I rather meant something else, said Ilfaba. They both drew away a bit so they could better see each other. I know how difficult it must be for you to deal with my sister. She can be quite a handful, and you're not used to her yet. But you did well today, and I'm indefinitely grateful. Galinda could barely hide a wince. While she was glad that Ilfaba was satisfied with her efforts, she didn't want to be reminded of the whole ordeal, 
of how easily the new arrival had snatched her love away from her, if only temporarily. Of how uneasy and transparent that nanny person made her feel. Yeah, well, we all try to do our share, she answered vaguely, gnawing at her lip. A clock tick later, a coy smile. The things I do for love, right? Before Elphaba could make any reply, she placed her hands firmly on both sides of her face and silenced her with kiss after kiss after kiss. The green girl initially seemed hesitant. Was thinking of her sister interfering with her ability to connect with her. Did Nessa's exaggerated piety make her second-guess the morality of their less innocent interactions? But Delinda was stubborn and didn't give up. Slowly and steadily, she coaxed Ilfaba into responsiveness, until she transcended even that stage and became the one to take the lead, showing Delinda just how much she appreciated her. Lying back on the couch, her arms stretched out above her head and with Ilfaba's hands and lips all over her, Galinda caught a glimpse of Malky, still perched on the backrest, his limbs neatly folded and hidden beneath his fluffy underside. He looked miffed for being left out, and she grinned at him apologetically before returning her attention back to Ilfaba, arching into her touch with a little sigh. The following morning she woke to the sound of Ilfaba slipping into her jeans and buckling her belt. She blinked her tired, sensitive eyes and cast a glance at the phone on the nightstand. It was merely eight o'clock. Where are you off to? she asked, stifling a yawn. You're not breaking protocol by getting up before me just to study downstairs, are you? Elphaba gave her a strange look, then turned her head away again, fumbling with her socks. A feeling of dread overshadowed Galinda's blissful carelessness, and her heart missed a beat. Elfie? You're acting strange. The taller girl paused momentarily, then forced herself to keep moving. She looked like she was trying to suppress her typical signs of agitation but had little success with that. I'm I'm going to see Nessa, she muttered as she ran her fingers through her hair in lieu of a good brushing. So early, Galinda thought irritatedly, enviously, but kept her mouth shut. She'd been rewarded for her patience before. Maybe Nessa's bond with Ilfaba wasn't all bad news. I'm going to drop by real quick to deliver a few things she said she was missing yesterday, then I'll go to my appointment and come back. Appointment, her head was reeling. Ounce, this was too early for brain teasers. But she figured it out eventually. You mean the ultrasound? Why didn't you say, I'll get ready in a jiffy and come with you? No need, responded Ilfaba quickly making a marked effort to sound indifferent. Fully awake now, Galinda could tell it wasn't genuine, but she tried to play along. Oh, it's fine. You know what? You could go ahead, I get ready in my own sweet time, and we meet at the clinic. How is that? Watching her carefully, she could see Ilfaba squirm in discomfort. She pretended to straighten the pockets of her jeans, tugged at the hem of her t-shirt before firmly saying, I'd prefer to go alone today. Galinda felt like someone had pulled the bed away from underneath her. W-H-Y. Elfaba shrugged and shifted her weight. Dunno. I just, need to do this on my own today. There was no arguing when Elfaba wouldn't even deign to supply a reason. Tears of disappointment and hurt pricked at the corners of Galinda's eyes. She kept them at bay barely long enough for Elfaba to lean in for a quick peck void of any real affection, and turn about with the flutter of long, green fingers. 
She sniveled and tried to tell herself that Ulfaba, in her state and all, was entitled to certain, well, mood swings at times. It didn't work. 